This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Episode 56 of Bustin' Loose Baseball. I'm Grant. He's Toby. Three-game series with the Phils in the books. Day off today. And then a really surprisingly good Diamondbacks team coming to town who are hovering atop the National League West, led by rookie sensation Corbin Carroll. Toby, how are you? Doing good. I was hoping that the Nationals could win that series against the Phillies. That way we could continue to hold it over Philadelphia for at least a little while longer that we had the same record. But unfortunately, you tie them up in the standings and then lose two in a row. But it was fun to see the boys battle against a good team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Look, they've played about 500 ball for several weeks now, which is better than we mostly anticipated. I I just care more about their games when Gray and when Gore pitch. And when the kids are at the plate, you know, I'm more locked in and and that's more interesting to me. And so we can get into some of those specifics right now. Let's start with game one of the Philly series, which they ultimately won. Josiah Gray pitched, ran out of gas late in the start, it appeared. Uh, I thought he threw better than the line to some extent. Five and a third innings of six hits, four run ball with a couple walks and four strikeouts. What'd you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that overall he probably pitched better than that. But, I mean, it, Gray for the last couple of outings has been really battling with his stuff. It hasn't been as sharp. He hasn't been what you saw early in the year where he was kind of dominating on the mound and was looking really, really good. But he's found a way to keep his team in ball games even when he doesn't have – his A stuff. So I think this season we've seen, especially over his last, I would say, month or so of starts, he's had to pitch and he's had to find a way to get through outings where he didn't have his best stuff. I think this was another one. You'd like to see him be a little bit sharper at some point and get back to, you know, go out and have a seven inning outing where he limits the hits, he limits the walks and keeps the ball in the ballpark. But I mean, overall, pretty solid outing, I would say, once again. Yeah, to your point, and I think that's perfectly said. It has not quite been to the level that early in the season it was. In fact, if you're looking at just from swings and misses and stuff and strikeouts, as an example, he has not had uh, the same number of strikeouts that he's pitched in innings or, or more K's and in innings pitched since April 25th, I believe. You know, right around the start of May, it's, you know, it's mostly been, you know, he's had a seven inning, three strikeout game, a seven inning, five strikeout game, and I'll take those. But my point is, I just don't know that the stuff getting ahead, throwing strikes, like it hasn't all been there. One sign over the last couple of starts we've got to keep track of that's not as encouraging as you'd like is that the difference between his season last year, where he really struggled, and this year, where his ERA just now jumped over three for the first time since his first start, is he has kept the ball in the park. There was a nine-start stretch after he gave up back-to-back home runs to begin the season to the Braves in a three-homer appearance. From his second start at Colorado until two starts ago, over nine outings, he gave up two total homers, Toby. He's given up three now in his last two games. He gave one up against the Royals in that four-inning outing where he threw way too many pitches, which was by far his, his worst outing of the season since you know the Braves game to start. And then in this past outing against Philadelphia, he gave up multiple home runs. And the good news is, you know, if you're not giving up three-run homers or grand slams, you can still hang in games, solo or two-run shots. But that's something to monitor because that was almost a a one-note problem for him last year as to why his season got off the rails. One thing I noticed, and I was texting with uh, our buddy about this, 
it's really weird when you look at baseball savant and look at his numbers and he's got a really good slider but you look at the 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 actual profile of the pitch and it doesn't move a whole lot so i don't know what it is about his slider that's so effective because i think his movement horizontally is like 0.7 inches like it's hardly at all and percentage-wise break according to the average major league slider is minus 83 percent like it just doesn't move the same amount he throws a cutter so you would think that maybe his slider is more like a cutter but he throws a cutter too so it's really interesting to see some of the profile of his stuff and this just goes back to our point when we talked about gray and gore before Gore's stuff is just so much better so you know when you talk about gore and some of the walks and different things you want him to be aggressive in the strike zone because his stuff is so electric he can blow a fastball by a guy. He can get guys to swing at pitches in the other strike uh, in the other batter's box and make them look foolish because his stuff is so good. That's not necessarily the case with Josiah Gray. So you know his whip is a little higher than you'd like to see. Actually, probably a lot higher than you'd like to see. But he's found ways to limit the runs that have come off of it. So I just want to see him get back to what he was a little bit earlier in the season, where he was a little bit more effective, going a little deeper into outings and. He felt like he was kind of on top of his game. I feel like he's done a good job of limiting the runs in these outings, but I, I wouldn't say that any outing really over the last month has been all that spectacular for him. No, I think that's fair. Just looking at his usage this year compared to last year and, and over the last couple of years, he's throwing his four-seam fastball way less. Uh, in 2021, when he first broke into the big leagues, he was throwing that pitch 51% of the time. Then last year, he threw it 39% of the time, which was a huge drop. This year, down to 28% of the time. Uh, what is he throwing more? Well, the slider that you referenced. You know, in his initial big league action, he threw it about 20% of the time two years ago. Last year, up to 29.5% of the time. And a career high now, 29.6% uh, of the time, just a little bit more than last year. Uh, he's throwing his curveball a little bit less than he did last season. He's added a, a sinker last year that he's throwing now just a tad more than he did a couple of years ago, right around 4% of the time. And he's thrown, I think, two changeups this year. But for the most part, the, the pitch usage for Josiah Gray is 30% sliders, 28% four-seamers, 20% cutters, which is the, the pitch he was working on and wanted to add this year, and then about 20% curveballs. So it, it, it's I don't want to say it's um, you know an even distribution, but there's really no predominant pitch that he's going to necessarily. And some of the numbers for him aren't where you'd like them to be in terms of predicting into the future, right? Uh, his strikeout percentage is 25th percentile. His walk percentage, he's walking too many guys, is 19th percentile. Um, this is not a guy that's going to blow you away with velo. It's 26th percentile velocity. He's not getting a ton of chases, 37th percentile. And he's not a high spin rate guy, 12th percentile fastball spin, 32nd percentile curveball spin. But what he's done really well is he's missed for the most part in the, the middle of the plate, uh, missing bats. What I should say, said a different way. Uh, he has avoided missing in the middle of the plate and running into the fat part of the bat. Hard hit percentage, 63rd percentile. Average exit below about 70th percentile. So if you look at it for him, it's kind of middle of the pack among pitchers and expected slug middle of the pack and barrel percentage. Like that's where I think he's had a lot of success. The ERA of 3.09 is not indicative probably of like what it should be. Maybe it should be closer to four, but he's definitely made strides. And as you said, it's just, it'll be important now to see him get a big start and get a six inning outing where he punches out eight or nine and, 
and looks like the guy that was pitching in April because it's been a little while since we've seen that. Uh, the Nats in that first game, to their credit, did get a win. Uh, that was kind of a wild game, by the way. They were up huge early. Then the Phillies whittled away little by little, came all the way back to tie the game at 7-7. The Nats were up 6 nothing after two, and eventually they got a eighth-inning run to win the game 8-7. to was the most entertaining game of the series, certainly for Nats fans, I would say, uh, against the Phillies. Yeah, I mean, good for the Nats to battle back and get a win for Gray, or at least a win and a Gray start. So, yeah, I mean, the, the next step for Gray again is just getting back to being a good pitcher again and getting his stuff to be good. Maybe this is just part of a, a little bit of a downstretch for him of the schlog of a 162-game season where you're pitching every fifth day. And, you know, you still got to remember, last year he kind of went through it for the first time, so this is really only his second go-round as a – full-time major league starter so he's still learning but you know i'll take him learning and keeping his era around three i mean that's pretty solid for him so far his numbers maybe are a little bit lower than you'd expect but that's a credit to him for getting out of jams mckenzie gore started on saturday and i thought he battled pretty well he gave up more hits than he's given up in any start this season nine base hits but super encouraging to see that he didn't have a single walk i believe that was the first time this season he didn't walk a batter Six strikeouts over six innings for him, a quality start in a competitive game. Uh, the Nats end up losing the game. But that was the second straight start, Toby, where Mackenzie Gore went at least six innings. And he's trending now in the right direction. That's 13 innings of four-run ball over his last two starts. Remember, he had had a sequence where he had three straight outings where he pitched four or five innings. And, in fact, three out of four outings where he pitched sub-six innings and was in the fours in innings pitched you know, three out of four times. So to see him now get deeper into the game, you know, be a little more efficient, not have as many foul balls, not have as many long counts, I thought that was a really good sign against a pretty good lineup, albeit one that's been struggling. Yeah, that's the big thing for Mackenzie Gore is being pitch efficient and finding ways to get out of innings without throwing 25, 30 pitches. And he did that in this outing. He got through the six innings. You know, you'd like to see him keep the ball in the ballpark. They get him two runs to tie it back up, and then he gives up the leadoff homer to Real Muto in the sixth inning. But credit to him, he bounced back, struck out the next two batters, then got, I believe, a ground ball to finish out the inning. So, you know, Gore coming off that outing in Kansas City, maybe you'd like to see him put two really, really good outings back-to-back -back and kind of feel like, you know, he's he's ascending and becoming a star. But I think overall a solid outing. I mean, the, the Phillies have a good lineup. It's crazy to think that their record is what it is because if you just look at the lineup and going against them, it's pretty tough. And one thing that he mentioned post game that I thought was interesting is he said he's maybe faced the Phillies the most out of any team so far throughout his career. So those are the guys that know him. So unlike going against a lot of these teams, think of the Royals, think of his first time through the National League East. He hasn't necessarily faced all these teams, so it's their first time seeing him. So if he's really effective, it's maybe partially because they don't know his arsenal, don't know him yet. He's faced the Phillies a couple of times, whether it's specifically out with the Padres. So they knew him a little bit. He'd had some success against those guys, but encouraging sign to see him put back-to-back -back outings of seven innings and six innings together. Yeah, and to you know the point we were talking about with Josiah Gray, where we referenced you know the ERA's 309, but you know, maybe there's some luck in there, and, and, and maybe the ERA should be higher than that, just as an example. I mean, with Mackenzie Gore, uh, his ERA is 3.6. His FIP is 3.9. So I would say that's a, a sign of you know, him being about where he should be, honestly, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of been the, the numbers show 
that uh, like he, there, there's not a regression coming. In other words, I think there hadn't been a lot of luck that, that it's going to come crashing down or anything like that. Um, whereas with Gray, with the 3.09 ERA, you know, the, the fielding independent pitching would indicate that, you know, he has pitched with some luck and, and we'll see, you know, what happens in the, the weeks and the months ahead. Uh, but I, I just think for me with Gore, it's about not walking guys and pitching deeper into games. Those are the two things that I've been harping on. The stuff's outstanding. Like, we know that. Uh, I, I mentioned velocity for for uh, Josiah Gray, like not being top half of the league, not at end of the world. I mean, you're talking about a lefty that's almost 80th percentile on fastball velo, 64th percentile spin rate, 93rd percentile extension, 70th percentile chase rate. Uh, there are some really encouraging things here that look like front of the rotation ace type things for the 24 year old Mackenzie Gore. One thing I wanted to point out about him, though, I think we texted about this during the game. He gets too upset at himself at times. And I've heard Kevin Franzen reference this on the telecast a couple times as a former big leaguer and a hitter that I think Franny's point was I liked seeing pitchers kind of react that way because it gave me more confidence. It showed me they're not trusting like that they know where the ball's going or they don't feel great or they're mad at themselves or it kind of felt like that was when they were about to make a mistake I guess is kind of his point and I do think being angry on the mound is okay like there's nothing wrong he's a perfectionist but you know talk to yourself Gio Gonzalez style whatever but he gets kind of very um like visually upset he'll like slam his hand down on his thigh or he'll curse real loud and kind of hit his mitt like those types of things, you're, you're now welcoming the hitter into your mental head case issue in that moment in a way that's probably not helpful. I don't know how to, to kind of correct that on the fly, but I would just say like from a, it's a good thing largely. I, I think he, he thinks like he's should be going out throwing seven scoreless innings and that at its core is probably like a healthy thing, but they've got to find a way to encourage him to tone some of that down and, and to dial some of it back because it actually might be working against them a little bit with making hitters feel better as they're in the box. It's just such a mental thing trying to get a hit and feel like you can. Yeah. And one thing that I was encouraged by in the Royal start that didn't carry over into the Phillies start was in the Royal start, he would blow guys away with fastballs and he would just say, well, screw it. They can't hit the fastball. Just keep throwing it to them. And if they can't hit it on the first two, I'll throw it again and strike them out on the third one. And for whatever reason, I can't remember exactly who it was, but it ended up being an RBI base hit. I believe he went fastball, fastball, and the first two pitches, I believe, were fouled off, but both of them very late. Then he went curveball, curveball, ended up being an RBI. And I don't know if that's a K-Bert thing. I don't know if that's a Mackenzie Gore thing, but sometimes I think they try to get a little too perfect because his stuff is so good. Like, he can be a Cy Young caliber pitcher, I think, down the road, and his stuff is that good that sometimes they try to get a little bit too perfect with it, or sometimes you're just better than the other guy. Go up there and throw the fastball like – You've heard guys talk about it. You heard them talk about it in the Padres series with Soto mentioning it, Bob Melvin mentioning it, and obviously they understand a little bit better than us since he spent time there. But that 96, 97 on his fastball plays up because of the extension, and his stuff is so good. Sometimes they just overthink it a little bit, and they try to be too fine, you know, paint a corner as opposed to just put it in the zone and try to make the guy hit it. If he gets a hard hit off it, tip your cap to him. Great for them. But I'm going to take my chances with Gore's stuff a majority of the time against just about every major league hitter. So, yeah, I think the frustration part does become very evident that he expects perfection, which is totally fine, like you said, but he needs to understand sometimes you don't have to be so fine, and not every pitch is going to go exactly where you want it as well.